Welcome back to Prima Donnas of the Gutter with Miss Amy D and me, Nish. We have decided to cover a little bit of stuff going on right now. We're going to keep our focus on the Met Gala that had just happened, and there's plenty to dig into, and there's a lot of mystery going on that Amy and I are on the track of. And if you're following us, you know that... We aren't tech queens, so it's going to be a minute, but we promise this will be a video show eventually, and we are working on it. As we are standing here now, we have an email, and we have Amy's done all this stuff, so we're it's pulling together. The show's pulling together. So with that, I am going to say hello to Miss Amy D. Hey, girl. Hey, how are you doing today, Nash? <laughs> well, it's been quite a day <laughs> already. Uh, yes, yes. As as they say, oh, the day I've had. So let's talk about kind of the theme and what it means to have a theme for something and adherence to rules. And just off this start here, if you've ever been to a theme party or say like a masquerade, you know, usually you have parameters in which to follow to be part of it. Otherwise, you don't get in. And so I understand the looser parties out there, but this is a very formalized world event. It has very specific boundaries and guidelines as to what the theme is. Like any masquerade, if you show up at a masquerade and you don't have a mask at the very least, you don't go in, at least a good one, you know. And so we're going to look at that. So what you got, Amy? Well, I think just to kind of pivot off of what you were saying, so much of what's fun about the theme is the adherence to the theme and seeing what people are going to do in their own, you know, their own flair. And usually that's kind of the exciting thing about it. Um especially when you're going to the Met Gala. The Met Gala theme is usually, if there was ever to be a theme that was like universally adhered to, it would be the Met Gala. And Anna Wintour, I guess, is, you know, the whole Double Wears Prada situation was made after kind of in her honor. There's a, a lot to adhering to her rules. And so I thought it was very interesting that this year, um, the theme was so the theme was an interesting theme. It was the gilded age or the gilded glamour. If you were to take it quite literally, you would be in like the oil baron age. So it was lots of top hats, lots of, um, or that's what it would have been. Lots of basically imagine, let's see, what year is it? 1860, I think to 1900, if we're correct here. So there's obviously yeah, a very interesting, um, a very, a very strict way that you can adhere to that. And I think a lot of people from what I was reading felt that was out of touch and that may have kind of seasoned the reason people didn't adhere to it. But I find the change of rule rather fascinating sort of all around. And I kind of see as the magnetosphere is disintegrating people their adherence to rules are kind of going away as well. And that was a reflection of that, seeing people just sort of openly and absurdly just in the face of what was, you know, going on. Like the Kardashians appeared, they were all invited this year for the first time after a ban in 2010. 
and they did not dress on theme at all. And honestly, I think that it was Kylie. She's the, I think she was the one who wore the white wedding dress and the hat and the veil or the white dress and the veil. It was very strange to me. That just could not have bigger. It was such an F you. It was just such a huge F you. And then we have, Kim Kardashian making the moment like entirely about her wearing the Marilyn piece. And then we have, I don't know if you caught what Kris Jenner was dressed at, but she was dressed as basically a, like one of Jackie O's photographs. It was so bizarre. The whole thing was so bizarre. And um, we can go into why we think people were playing dress up, but um, yeah, the overt and just absolute in your face disrespect for the theme was uh, very telling of its own, I thought. Since we're on the Kardashians with this, the period that was suggested was basically the Victorian period. It ends in 1900, 1860s. This is kind of like classic mid and late Victorian period. Kind of hits into the Edwardian period if we're looking at English, you know, English rule and all this. However, there's a bunch of silhouettes within that few decades to go with. So there is a wide range and the oil baron kind of theme is definitely in it. And there's a lot going on. So the two looks of these Kardashians, the one with the white, what's her name with the white dress? Oh, I think that was Kylie. So Kylie the silhouette still fits into the time period. So we've got, you know, this could be a hoop skirt under there, etc. She punk rocked it up with that tacky hat. I don't like it. It looks atrocious, but you could still throw that as an interpretation of this of a silhouette from that period okay, that I they see, suggest. Yes. And then there's the one that's the it's a super tall and looks like she's the skinniest with the black handle. Kendall and she really nailed it as far as these she nailed the theme for me it's a deconstructed version of an 1860s clearly an 1860s dress that bottom part gives it to you 100% I think that she really served it up it's deconstructed because the top is obviously not of the period but the bottom is a hundred percent of the period yes i see yes yes so and this is acceptable to me this is within the theme and i think it's really quite beautiful i think she nailed it so we're not here to really talk too much about fashion outside of the woo we're woo queens with all this stuff so what's interesting here is now kim in particular so we're talking about Monroe again. And then you said the other one, what was the Jackie O? Chris, Chris is, yeah, the mother, the mother, Kim's mother was dressed as Jackie O. And I think it's like a green dress and she had kind of a wig with sort of a 60s do. I mean, I didn't know it until someone pointed it out. But once you saw it, you couldn't unsee it. That's very interesting because now we're, we're tying in again the whole mm-hmm. Kennedy Monroe situation, and this is significant and to not be overlooked. So we want to ruminate here for a minute on Kim Kardashian, and there's a lot of woo around this. So my personal opinion is it's gutted. What is going on with Ripley's allowing anyone ever to wear a Monroe 
dress. Uh, terrible, absolutely terrible. And she had to lose 16 pounds to just get her top half in to appease everyone. They had strict adherence here. She wasn't to touch it with her hands. She wasn't allowed to sit down. There were going to be no alterations. Yes. She could only walk in it for the, she had a, a replica that was basically yeah. like ready for her to go after she appeared on the red carpet. And, and that's all there. And just as you said, she couldn't sit in it because she really couldn't allow any wear to it. You know, she had a replica made that she could actually walk in. She had a fur, just like Monroe did when she came out to sing Happy Birthday, Mr. President, which, of course, made the world news because it was just a scandal back then. And sure, everyone in the know knew what was going on with Marilyn and the Kennedys and the Lawfords and all those you know, Sinatra, that whole group. I don't know how it happened that she gets to do this. And she lost 16 pounds to just get her torso in it because she, everyone knows she's very small up there. And mm-hmm. not her tatas, but, you know, she's a little wasted and all this. This happened, and it is causing quite a stir amongst historians and Maryland folk, all kinds of crossover groups. And I'm one of these people where this is hallowed ground. This is to me, dark magic. And before we even get into how deep this goes, because you added a couple tidbits here that I was not aware of. And Mm. as usual, you added everything and I'm just commenting (laughs) off of it. But, But here's what goes on. So you send me this thing and she's getting from Ripley's a lock of Marilyn's hair. They gift her a lock of Marilyn's hair. Now, can you imagine if that went to auction, how much that would go for? Can you imagine all the people that really would want a lock of Marilyn's hair? It's mm-hmm. amazing. And she makes a very interesting statement. She's using her little girl voice and it comes off playful, but in character, you know, playful. But when we look at and we dig into the Kardashians, this is a dark sisterhood here. So she says, blah, 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 something about witchcraft with this hair and kind of giggles away. It's put in a a Tiffany silver locket with the classic Tiffany's bag and a box, Tiffany's blue. That sent me, Amy, that sent me into another realm. So not only is she mixing her cells, mm-hmm. her skin into the dress that Monroe wore. So there's this mishmash going on between her cells and Monroe's cells. And you can say whatever you want uh, that the, the cells are dead, whatever. There's a reamalgamation of Monroe, and we've talked about this in our other shows at length. And so mm-hmm. this is furthering it. The documentary came out since we've last done our other show, which was a nothing burger. It was the same thing from 10 years prior. And it was nothing new to me and people that have been on this Monroe narrative for I have been since the 80s. And so I had a lot of psychic insight early on with it. I'm not sure why. I have a weird connection to her. So the fact that she got the hair, the fact that they let her wear the dress, and then, Amy, you had sent me this little bobble after all of this other stuff with Monroe and Kim Kardashian. So it is from Pop Crave. 
And it's, okay. it's Kim Kardashian revealed she also wore the dress that Marilyn Monroe wore to the Golden Globes in 1962 for the Met Gala. If I can just go back for a second, what I find really interesting in all of this is, I mean, of course, Kim Kardashian, of course, Marilyn of it all. But really, it made me consider, like, what is Ripley's? And what are these museums and what are their purposes? Because if we're having people like Kim Kardashian who can throw, you know, large amounts of attention and money essentially in their, in their way, like, do we just have like libraries of celebrities and like libraries of women and it's like, you know, former, former people in our culture. Is that what's, I mean, there, it just seems um, very odd to me that that was because, you know, I, I look at people and I try to understand like how much they understand. Right. And that Ripley's guy, I think he under, I think he knew what he was doing. I know Kim knew what was going on with receiving that hair, but I, 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 it's hard for me to like fully get my head around the intention of what, of what the, the person giving it was. Do you know what I mean? And it, it made me really just consider like we've been, you know, museums are this thing that are, they're great, right? They preserve history. They make it easy to, for us to access like images and they're sort of like libraries in that way for our culture. But it just was really weird. And it started making me wonder, you know, how many more times things like this have gone on just right in front of us. And also um, I know we wanted to go to the green dress I don't have much to say about it, honestly, other than Marilyn obviously wore it better and she needs to stop trying because it's bizarre. It doesn't, it, it doesn't work. She's, I see what they're doing and it doesn't work. But it does work when we start looking at the overall arch of this narrative going on with Marilyn. So we have more Marilyn and Kim loaned from this particular museum and it is worth going into at some point what's going on with these archives that house these relics. And I do consider this a relic. It, it, you know, it's not about its age. It's about its importance socially. And the reason why these things are important socially is we start looking at the archetypes that are being played out before us on a psychological level. And that's where the prima donnas are talking. And so we are looking at this as a deep narrative. And so before we move forward, let's move back and let's look at Doja Cat. Doja Cat had a mock-up, a similar dress inspired by Monroe. And then she did the whole little thing about being late, just like Monroe was. So they're really replaying this period. And when we look at Pete Davidson with Kim, isn't that who she was with, right? Yes, yes. So he's dressed in that classic Rat Pack uh, period. Also, we could look at this as men in black, right? Because Marilyn, whether people yes. want to believe it or not, is tied into secret knowledge of the government. And that's yes. what we were waiting for and hoping for with the secret files, Marilyn. Doc. I mean, with the sunglasses, it's you nailed that. I could not figure out what they were going for with him. And that is mm-hmm. it, Nash Scroll. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're giving it to us like that. So that what they're essentially doing is they're setting up for this some big reveal that's coming. But what's interesting here is so we had Doja, Doja Cat. So giving us a little bit of that. Now we have Kim with this. Now we have Marilyn's hair in the mix. And there's could be sub narrative between the Kardashians and 
Doja Cat, I don't know. I don't know those details. If Kim's trying to up the narrative, what I think it is, is this, it's the shadow hand behind the scenes here. And that's going to ultimately take us into the really dark side of what we have discovered, everyone, that is connected to this particular event, but we'll get there. So Marilyn is being reamalgamated. Literally, her DNA was handed over to this woman, to Kim Kardashian. And so here they are at the Met Gala, and it does go notice that the Met Gala is a very exclusive she-she event last year. And remember, do not forget that people had to be vaxxed and boosted. And so that's Uh why last year a lot of people didn't go. And Uh it was very obvious who was always going, who didn't go. So that was a little teller. And we're going to get deeper into the dark side of this when we start getting to Hillary Clinton and we start looking at all the masked workers, the mass slaves around everywhere. But you, there's some really visible moments with that here. So again, Marilyn Monroe re-amalgamating her into the collective narrative that everywhere we look right now, they're trying to bring her narrative back into the mix and make it relevant with these current pop star divas. So this is interesting. And and then here's back to the main point of where we are in this, because we're not going to get to that juicy stuff till later. But no. the idea that we had a suggested time frame, Marilyn Monroe wore that dress in 1961. We're out of the time frame by 60 years. This is some sort of inserted intentional narrative to stand out so that it's noticeable and also of course glittered with the mm name and remember the monroe narrative stop mm and kk you've got to get out of here (laughs) (laughs) Uh uh-huh so you see where i'm going and so And, and so then of course we have, we have the stuff with the mom. So I think we can move on from that right now. We're just introducing this as the stuff that really caught Amy and I. And so again, Amy, let's look at what is the, what is the Met Gala? Like when, when you're looking at it and when you're digging around and, um, you started to notice that as I did too, that some of these, so we started seeing 1920 silhouettes with some of these people. There's like all these silhouettes that are absolutely not appropriate, including the Monroe one. It's, it's off the path here. It's you know, the other, just to kind of round out the Kardashians, the Courtney's look was, um, I don't even know what Chloe wore, but Courtney was with Travis Barker and she had one of the strangest looks on and maybe you recognize that as like a deconstruction of something. Uh, oh, I see which one you're talking about. She's the shortest one. She's got like yes. a little black and white number. I don't even know what to say about this. This is way off the mark. Well, it, what she had said when they interviewed her was that she, she said, I, yeah, I heard what it was i didn't know what it meant and so i just came like this and so i mean that was interesting to me i'm surprised anna let her in seriously i'm surprised she had truly been banned that's why it's so crazy to me because it's like you would think they would yeah have tried i don't know very bizarre this is a good point amy to bring us into the narrative of 
the Kardashians showing up here, period, and what Kanye did. And people, this is important. This is all woo. So bring us into this narrative because the Kardashians are really nothing. They were just a reality, you know, the father's OJ's lawyer. Kanye Kim was significant Kardashian. here. Yeah, she had started, I think she came on the scene before the sex tape, which is kind of funny that all this is coming up again as she dresses with Marilyn, as Marilyn with the, um, the sex tape from, you know, 20 some odd years ago, re-emerging with Ray J just recently, which is crazy. But Kim Kardashian, before she was even that, was Paris Hilton's organizer, like her closet organizer. <laughs> so she saw how Paris sort of operated, I think, while working for her. And in doing that, Kim's a smart girl and learned to climb. And I think when Chris divorced, when she divorced Kardashian and married uh, Jenner, there was an element of climbing as well. She had to sort of like fend for herself in this way or kind of learn how to do it. Or did he die first? There was some sort of transition. She had to like get it together and like pull it from within. So Chris is a really smart woman. She's crafty. She's been referred to as a maven. Kim is is notoriously a hard worker. She's climbed her way up through a lot, but yes, she was just a reality star, a very famous reality star, a very, but, you know, right after Paris Hilton, I would say Kim Kardashian was the next influencer. And in fact, she really changed the way that women were perceived, the beauty standards. Well, here comes uh, Kanye West. And I know that he kind of just fell for her. And I, from what I had heard from, you know, whatever the gossip that Jay-Z and Beyonce were like really not into him being with Con- uh, Kim because they kind of saw Kim as a different sort of situation. And like she wasn't going to elevate, I guess. And he just kind of threw all that to the side and went with Kim like full scope. And in doing so, Kanye, because of who he was at the time, because you have to think back, like 2012, he was just starting to go a little bit like off of the rails. But before that, he was like an icon. He still is an icon, but he was like a respected all around icon back then. He was like really, really elite. And he raised the profile of all of the Kardashians, quite frankly. And then right around 2013, he starts spilling some beans. I think Kim gets somehow robbed in, you know, in Europe and that like sends him crazy. And he starts um, spilling stuff on stage. I think there's a really famous YouTube video of him in Sacramento, just talking about how Jay-Z wants to kill him and all this, all, all these allegations. Then what do you know? He goes, uh, Kim goes to him and he, then he goes to the mental hospital. And I think that brings us to like, he gets out of the mental hospital and starts like talking to Trump. And then he gets basically ruined in the eyes of the public. But Kim Kardashian stays by his side. And it's been brought to my attention recently that perhaps she did that so that she could solidify relationships with like Kanye's people. And when the time was right, you know, go ahead and, and divorce him. Kanye gets a bad rap, but um, on, you know, according to, I think, Forbes, he's the richest black man in America, which is a huge deal for the people who are reporting on that. So he's not just a rapper. He is, in my opinion, one of the most creative minds we have living today. That aside, he's very prolific. He's very successful. And he definitely, he wanted to recreate Kim's image, essentially. So he like got rid of all of her clothes when they got married or got together or something and redid her image entirely. And what's really funny is I have no guide for this other than my own psychic intuition, but I think that's what she's doing to Pete right now. I think she wants to do what Kanye did to her to Pete. 
And so that is the, the story of Kim climbing her way up. I think she has really outdone herself. But when I start thinking about her knowledge of power and climbing and then what her comments were regarding, you know, Marilyn's hair and her, you know, she can't wait to do like a ritual or something. I was like, oh, this woman, um, this woman is an operator and she's definitely using some, some dark forces. And then just the last thing I'll say is there was a special, I don't know which one it came out, Joe Rogan. He does a whole like 2012, 2013, a whole comic bit about how, what if the Kardashians are these demons? And he has this really, you know, funny voice that he does for Chris Kardashian being a, a demon and like talking to all these men and like basically like lulling them out of their money and power. But, um, it's funny how there are people that my point is that there are people that are intuiting that, you know what I mean? I don't think he knows that for a fact, but it just, it's what you, I think that's the impression people get is these women are like, siphons for power <laughs> and energy. And um, I would love to hear what your thoughts are there. There is significance in a lot of different realms here. So there's some dark magic going on. And mm. remember, we can never forget this is all connected to OJ with their father. This is very mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. And Kanye is very significant in his character. And, you know, he's worthy of a whole show. I remember watching and seeing him in his concerts pulling up to the Trump narrative and, you know, saying all this stuff that, you know, he's pro-Trump and he went to Trump Tower to meet him and they had all this Trump and him stuff. And it really outraged a lot of people. And then they, you know, that whole breakdown was tied to that. But he brought the Kardashians into the main uh -huh fashion world and Anna had banned she didn't want Kim and yes. and you know so she's the gatekeeper in in the fashion world in New York and of course everyone knows that New York is one of the main players uh, New York Paris and London you know mm -hmm. and Milan uh, you know we can't leave out Milan but she's like a main player she's at the very top of the pyramid at the table and there's a lot, like you said, Devil was Wears Prada was an expose on her loosely. And so we're not going to go into her right now. This is an important thread. That's why we're onto it. And the Maryland stuff is important. And it's only becoming more important the deeper this all goes. And it is important to continually remember that these things are all tied into politics and the obscuring of the world around us and particularly what's going on with this uh, quote unquote ET agenda, the secret hidden hand of the world governments together this is all you know, tied in and monroe had a big part of that and of course bobby kennedy the peter lawford frank sinatra and then this starts trickling down from there on out but this involves the italian mafia at one point mm. and we can't leave all this out because they are telling us through this that this is connected what we are getting is a thread of continuity this is not making a leap they are it's literally in our faces the other connection that i that i can't help but make when i think of the kanye and pete sort of comparison with kim is that 
one of the big things Kanye West is known for is they both are known for Pete and Kanye is having mental challenges or mental health challenges. Pete is very open about it. Kanye is very open about it. And they are both very open about how they wish to go about treating it. Pete um, is very interested in using the pharmaceutical model. Kanye, not much. He's been on the record a lot about saying he doesn't want to take medication. It messes up his connection with, you know, creativity, whatever. I can't help but think there's some sort of, and, and Pete has gone on to like um, SNL and gone on and made fun of Kanye so much for not taking his medication. Basically, and when we talk about the new agenda that's coming in and the pharmaceuticals, I just, they're so connected and they're so woven in. And then you kind of also just as a little aside, the way that Marilyn Monroe like allegedly passed is like through debatable, but through overdose is the narrative, correct? That that is yeah that that was the original narrative. Everyone I think has long agreed that that of course she was murdered. So right, but like the the standing the thing that we were supposed to all think was that she had overdosed. Right, that that's what I all that's brought forward in that revision of the main narrative that came out because the main narrative is Monroe killed herself. Right, and then there's the sub narrative which is actually the main narrative. So you got, you have layers to these stories. And so the main, you know, the public persona is she killed herself. And then the investigative narrative brings up the questions that, oh no, she wasn't. And of course, everyone was tapping her. She had these files. She's tied into presidents and important men and all this. And then it kind of just became accepted that Monroe was taken out. And that actually became the real narrative so that people wouldn't look below that. Just like the Epstein stuff, you get to dig so far and into something that's really juicy, that's acceptable. It's enough. And you think that's the real story. But the thing with this narrative is it dips down into uh, to Eisenhower and it dips down into whatever we want to call ETs and that's where the Monroe narrative actually goes. So it's layers. It's an onion effect here. So not trying to stay on that too long. Let's move along. I'm not going to focus too much on a lot of other people's stuff. I just want to make it a point that there were a lot of people that really just disregarded the guidelines of the Met Gala extravaganza that is one of the most strict social events of the year every year in the fashion world and and the point being with how Kanye made it a point to bring the Kardashians into the fashion world and into public because Kim Kardashian had been not allowed that's how strict Anna is and the fact that Anna allowed all these people I won't even get into Rihanna's boyfriend in that the blanket, the quilt, you know, all these people yes. to show up, first of all, and then be in these inappropriate outfits. Anna signed off on this. So this is significant. So we're being shown all these narratives. That's another show. And again, with all these shows we do, we're just scratching the surface and we're bringing some questions up for everyone here. I want to skip over here to look at a couple really significant ones. And I want to point to one of the queens of the underworld, Katy Perry, actually kept in the theme too. Katy Perry shows up and she's appropriate for the theme. She's got the bust, the undergarment, basically the bustle, 
with the silhouette that fits into the narrative. It's acceptable because it fits into the narrative. So I don't, you know, no complaints. You can, you can love it or hate it, but it's still cohesive, unlike a lot of these other people. So this brings me to Dove Cameron. I don't know who she is, but this dress. Now, where we're going tonight and where we may go oftentimes is looking at the narratives of others. Like, so E.T. weirdness and possible just this other stuff that's in the realm with us that's very woo. And so uh-huh. this dress, so they tried to say this dress is a deconstructed version of a dress of the period with the boning of the corsets from that period from the uh, 19th century, which is the 1800s people, and that it was supposed to be in line because it, it was giving you that. Well, let me tell you. There's nothing about this dress that presented that way for me. And people that I saw going, oh, yeah, I see it, I see it. You don't know your fashion history then. And this is nothing about this had anything to do with those silhouettes. But what this does have to do with is something that ties into the really deep woo we're going to get into. And this looks very skeletal. Of course, yes. and that's they really tried to play on that. But those the sleeve and stuff points to if you want to look at the long draping sleeves and stuff, that's a whole other era. And there's no bustles around. What I get from this is aliens and the movie Aliens and Oh yeah, very Geiger. Very Geiger. And again, this is on poor and she must have been approved or she wouldn't have been there. And so right. There's Um, something here with also the sleeves give me the deconstructed, the bones of wings in a way. So we could have winged demon, winged serpent, winged something. And the white, of course, always represents sacrificial and and pure, Uh right? It's a a Uh pure thing. Uh And we can't overlook that with Kim Kardashian's whole situation oh. too. the white hair you know it's a throw to trying to play off the Marilyn narrative but that Marilyn never really wore her hair like that it, it was way off what I want to say here is that this dress of Dove Cameron's really struck me as a very important silhouette to look at because it ties into and there's a lot of red, black, and white. This is, of course, the Red Lodge, the White Lodge, and the Black Lodge. This is alchemical. And we'll get into um, that Lado guy with the twinning. And There we go. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're going we're to get into him next. And so, but this this is telling us all of a sudden we're looking at at least alien-type, demonic-type creature. For people like me, who is Dove Cameron? Well, okay. I don't know much about her, but she is a Disney, she's a Disney uh, cutout, a Disney kid who, the only reason I know who she is is because the movie that she's, that made her put her on the scene was called The Descendants. And that movie struck me as interesting. I never saw it, but I believe the whole point is it's about like, they're the children or the descendants of like the villains of Disney. So it's like, it's a more sympathetic look at the Disney villains. And she plays one of the main characters. And I guess her, I don't know what her character's deal is, but the character's name is Mal to give you an idea. And uh, so, yeah, they definitely have sort of an arc, you know, carved out for her as far as I'm concerned. Um, And this is right in line with it. 
what you're saying. Yeah. I don't have a ton, but she is Disney, which should be very um, significant. We will be seeing more of her, is what yeah. I think. Well, she's the, a very, the, very pretty girl, of course. Gorgeous. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, she's right up there with with a lot of the young starlets they're pushing. She's They've got a certain look right now. This is important, and I thought it was very important. It's totally off target again Anna allowed this and then I wanted to look at this other girl Blake Lively and she's got a Versace gown on that references the Statue of Liberty and the celestial steel ceiling at the Grand Central Station this struck me as very very significant and so this dress could definitely pull into around 1900 it's got kind of an Edwardian I can accept this I can accept this dress is towards the Edwardian period 1900 and so it's all right for me as far as keeping with the theme and deconstructing a little bit it's still checks all of those boxes it's really important that we're looking at the statue of liberty right now and at the grand central station this is some major card being thrown down at us this is some intel being thrown down at us just like the monroe stuff and we need to think about this and so I don't know who she is. Who is this person? She's like lively. She came on the scene, I think, around 2007, 2008. She started in Gossip Girl. She played Serena Vanderwoodson. I've always sort of seen her as like a real archetype of like the Aeon, the character. She always played sort of um, opposite uh, she was like the more airy, ethereal one, and like her best friend was the one who was like really like you know into constructing you know dirty deeds and scheming things like that. They went to like a prep school in um, New York, and at the time it was on the CW, and it was really, really like um, the internet was coming online. It was like the MySpace era and like it was really an influence before there was influence. There was like these shows like this. This is one of those teen shows that had mega influence. It was um, like the fashions in it were really huge. They were New York fashions. And she's always just sort of been like considered a siren, you know, like since the beginning of her whole um, career. Okay, so and so we've got her representing Statue of Liberty stuff and Grand Central Station stuff, and and so that's going to be key. And if you're looking at the dress and you don't realize that, the very first thing I noticed in kind of the pictures is it looks kind of like drippy blood on on this beautiful fabric until you get close ups uh-huh. and you realize there's the silhouette of of these structures and stuff. So there's kind of this. And this is where we will lead in soon. But there's kind of this blood-stained, reddish, brownish, uh, you know, terracotta color on the blue. blue. So we've got blue blood, red blood stuff going on. We've got all that going on. Let's just knock out a couple of these that are worth it. So Frederick Robertson in an otherworldly outfit by Iris Van Herpen who was responsible for the other gown we were just talking about the dress we saw earlier that I was deconstructing and calling uh, out the Geiger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dove Cameron, Dove Cameron's dress, same designer. Are they suspecting it is? I don't know if that got confirmed, but people were saying that in the, in the comments I was looking at. So we're looking at this person and who was mistaken for, 
Jared Leto. Jared Leto, which is interesting. But here's the point of relevance with this outfit. This outfit is another skeletal type outfit, and it's absolutely brilliant piece of art. It's brilliant, but we're looking at narrative. And so we've got, it's a man, and he's got, you know, his hair is bleached out. He's uh, he's very non-binary. He's very androgynous. He's got the eyes all done up. And what we're getting is fallen angel from this. Yes. And in a very, very big way. And so the idea of angels and demons, once again, is very prevalent in this showing that is being presented to the world. And so I just wanted to make sure that we're paying attention to what this is. This is another idea of an angelic being, a fallen angel, if you will. But yes. he and the way he's posing and has his hands is very significant in some of these shots. Like he's really serving up this idea of this. I just wanted to make sure we were landing on that for a minute. Okay, so the Hadid sisters. We've got yes. one in black and we've got one in red. And this is, of course, people have their eyes on these sisters. And we talked about their significance as images in the world and as types of archetypes that are playing out for the collective to project mm -hmm. onto. So we're getting red and black from these girls. And again, Bella's dress, it lightly works because of the corset. And I'm talking mm -hmm. very, very loosely because this corset, yes. it, it's very, very loosely in theme. But I suppose it's enough to, if you're deconstructing, you know, maybe make make it. For me, I would say yes. no, go home. With a lot of, most of them, I'd say go home and get, get into theme. But she's serving up dark queen. Again, yes. we've got red, black, and white is the main thing here. And so we've got the dark goddess here. This is raven, crow, realness. She's got the lace. She's got the drapey arm. If you picture the demons that have been portrayed to us or the Voldemort type imagery in modern film lately, in modern pop culture, where you see them in the sky and there's kind of the real etheric and puffy and smoky this stuff if you raised her up and you were letting the air move through this would all kind of give you that billowing demon-esque um i just last night saw a picture of um, oh they're like ca carbon microtubes it's basically graphene and moving through a tube and it looks like smoke it looks like what you're describing yes. that's exactly what i'm talking about and so this yeah. This is giving us that. And the fact that she's got the pearls down there on the mm -hmm. left foot is very significant. And so we, we see pearls elsewhere here. And what are pearls? Pearls pearls of wisdom is the very first thing that always comes to mind for me. But pearls mm -hmm. represent Same. symbol of purity and wholeness. They, the, Of course, the wisdom is there. They are also... In theme with this, they're part of, you know, they've always been considered classic and all that, but we're woo. So, and they're on her ankle, suggesting they've fallen from the neck to the ankle. So we're getting more fallen energy with this one. So the sister is, again, she's keeping it. This is two sides. This is the Janus imagery we've got going on tonight, too, because there's more of this happening. If you notice, there's a lot of twinning with people that it's, it's vaguely connected, but you can see it. 
So these two are sisters. It's obviously clear what they're what they're giving us. We're giving the again the corset, which is the undergarment, and then she's got this kind of space age puffy red jacket that has a trail and you know i could see this it's loose in this theme but it's all right it's important because now we have the blood goddess and we're going to get to the queen of the blood so we've got Gigi in the red and she's got the blonde hair and then we've got bella in the black with the dark hair and again remember these are sisters they're famous sisters they're influencers there's a lot of energy tied into them, and the whole name of the game with any of the stuff is energy. And when we speak energy, we must talk about blood, and we're going to get to blood. And so yeah. this outfit is very important. What What are you thinking with this outfit on Gigi? I see what I see exactly what you're talking about with Bella. Let's start with Bella. Um, Bella is connected to the weekend. I don't think they date anymore, but they dated on and off for years and years. And he has a real darkness to him. And so, and I know that, um, God, years ago, must've been like six or seven years ago. Um, her mom is a real housewife or was of Beverly Hills and basically put her daughter on blast for being like a little goblin, you know, like she's disgusting. She has like dirty underwear in her car, like, you know, just really and it's stuff that shouldn't have been out there. I shouldn't know these things, but just to kind of give you, um, she, she's not like a savory character in that way. So I think that they dressed her up really well. Whereas her sister is a little more, um, she, she, she is uh, a mother. Her, her baby is, uh, with one of the, members of one direction. I think Zane, um, she's kind of a wild card, but she is a mother. And I do think that she's kind of, if I were to say ones like they're, they're dressed appropriately. Let me just say it that way. I, there is this really oversized sort of trend happening right now, which I find really interesting. Um, and this dress or her coat, her quilted sort of, you know, um, silhouette is, uh, the, uh, on Gigi is it's, beautiful she's beautiful but you definitely get um it's not it's a wicked they're both wicked images you know like they're not you don't look at it and go oh they look ethereal or oh they look they look they they look uh, um what's the word i'm looking for they just they have kind of a wicked look to them and honestly with them not being on theme but they're on they're on on the overt theme they're clearly on like a little on a theme that is less advertised but yeah, there's nothing um, on theme about it, and there's really nothing. It just gives a very out of place vibe, and like there's something else going on with them. Yeah, there, there's, there is, and it, it's obvious. And so that's why we're pointing these out. I need to pause with Cardi B. Cardi B, first of all, I think looks amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. It fits to me in the theme, and then it obviously is serving us up more of the sub-theme, of the sub-narrative that's going on here, the card that's being played. So for me, you'd mentioned the Queen of Hearts earlier with someone else, and we're going to say her name later. But this, if you look at Cardi B in some of these straight-on silhouettes, her hips are making a heart. And this outfit screams queen of hearts and it is 
to be noted that she's got all the feathers up along the arms and up on the head. Again, there's this whole angel demon theme going through this whole sub narrative. And what we mean by that is they are the others. In some cultures, angels and demons are the gods. They're the demigods. There's a whole sub narrative we can break down into that. But this is a very significant silhouette. It fits everything. I can't imagine in person how impressive it must have been. And she is giving us, this is beyond, this is a Mae West outfit. And this is on Mae West level and who is the queen of the queen in her day. And so this is bringing me into this idea of, a cast system and Cardi B is presenting at the very top. And I, I don't really know much about her from except for what you've been telling me. And so if you'll give us a little bit of history on her, but she is dressed importantly for this function. She is exalted and it's obvious that this, whatever's going on with this person, she is rising into a very, prominent position within this order well cardi b um started as a reality tv star i mean rapper too but she was on i think basketball wives or something like that on vh1 and she rose to stardom i think with bodak yellow um which was a song that uh hit the scenes i think that was a few years ago she is um she was then in a movie called hustlers which had um like jennifer lopez and some other you know some stars in it and she basically played the stripper who um and the the whole point is these strippers like drug men and take advantage of them and it's like instead of being like oh that's a crime you know, they get applauded for it. And so Cardi B at that point came out and said, that's what like, you know, her game was back in the day before she was famous. She used to do that to men all the time and it was no big deal and yada, yada. Whole world doesn't seem to care. Then let's see last year, I think when the, you know, the Met Gala came around, she wanted to go, but she didn't want to get um, vaccinated. So that was kind of a thing. So last year she stayed home and she's kind of been on this like truth kick for a little while. Um, recently some audio of her has surfaced where she's talking about how she wants to just like sort of, you know, change her, or no, two things have come. One is about how, when she sings back to the old times and does those old things that makes her like bring up old stuff and all she wants to do is move on and be a mother and like, you know, be who she is now. The other one was her on a live stream starting to kind of talk, you know, she's, I'm not suggesting the government put her aside and was like, here's what's going on, but she's a smart girl and she has her eyes open and she's, you know, wise and she can put two and two together. And she starts talking about that in the middle of her live stream, she just gets cut off. And then like, after that, she comes on a few minutes later and profusely apologizes and says, you know, people just, you know, they gotta be more careful with what they say. So she's watched, you know, and um, so that she's at this event this year is interesting. Clearly, she's been vaccinated. Clearly, she's had it talking to. Um, yeah, I'm actually sort of shocked to see how prominently she's featured this year, given everything that I've seen in the background. But honestly, you know, isn't that how it works? They're driven crazy behind the scenes. And you know, here they are presenting as their alters, essentially yes. pulling it together for, for the cameras. So. And we don't have any hard intel that you had to be vaxxed and boosted here, but it was hard. Okay. It was a hard, hard 
you had to in the previous one. And I'm not sure that that changed because it's also, you know, we must note that all the slaves are in masks and we'll talk about that later. So we're going to move on to Jared Ito. (laughs) And I already (laughs) mispronounced everyone's names in the last one. So here we go. This one was significant. The very first thing I thought of was The Shining. And the twins in the hallway with, uh-huh. with the barrettes, right? Uh-huh. This is a big deal to me. I mean, uh, twinning always is very interesting. The idea of twinning is what we're talking about in general in the woo right now. The twinning, digital twinning of someone. And uh-huh. so this gets very deep with him. So we've got the digital twinning of everyone moving into metaverse and all the digital landscapes that are now out there and of course elon musk which we're going to talk about him next is promoting with the new tech to be implanted in in your skull and then there's Uh there's these new contacts there's this new eye contact stuff that's coming out that allows you to be connected into augmented reality i posted an advertisement for that on twitter it's real deal and so Uh We've got digital twinning. We've got a reference to, and it's very important to remember these pop culture references, The Shining, which is a bloodbath and an open ritual and uh, time jumping narrative. Time is a big deal in The Shining. The clock scenes, the watch scenes, the time thing in The Shining is just a massive narrative. If you ever miss that, you need to pull up to it. There are a lot of people out there that are breaking that time thing down. I've watched a couple and there are some that are just way off the mark. They don't even know the difference between a 6 p.m. in the evening and a 6 p.m. A 6 a.m. in the morning with the time of day. And mm-hmm. um, and I live over by where they film that up here in Mount Hood, the Colorado that is supposed to be set in Colorado, but that actual building is over here in Mount Hood. And so oh, wow. I'm familiar with how the snow falls. I'm familiar with a lot of this narrative. So just be careful when you're listening to breakdowns. Anyway, so we've got that going. So we've got a Kubrick aspect here, right here in our faces. And that is also important to remember because Kubrick is behind a lot of the misdirect in the Hollywood narratives that have been played out to the public since he was out there doing them. And it's significant and it all ties into Hollywood. So Kubrick's invisible hand from beyond the grave is definitely tied into this. Then we have the idea of Janice that the twin, right? The, the God uh-huh. Janice. And another thing that's going on here is the black glasses, the men in black. This one's really a rich narrative going on here. And we could spend a lot of time breaking this down. It's like with our last ones, we could have done hours and hours, but we do need uh-huh. to, Keep them moving along. But again, he's a key player in the field. He's a key player in this narrative. And I was, again, shocked by it. So the red bow tie. Uh, Bow ties have a very significant place historically in fashion when you're looking at different secret orders. There is a lot to go into a bow tie and there's a lot to go into a necktie, which is a neck noose. And so this is, you know, it looks like a little kiss there and a kiss in blood. And then of course Mm -hmm. we've got the red Gucci bag. 
which he's with the um the brand's creative director alessandro michelle so that's who his twin is that night and also we saw donatella lurking round uh and so (laughs) so the red everyone that understands the red shoes should understand the red leather bag and get into the idea of what the red leather what the red accessory means and this and gucci is tied deeply into this the gucci red shoes are very significant we're talking about human skin and we're talking about a certain symbol going out to people in the know that understand what this is and we're going to get deeper into that so that's enough with him what do you have to say on him and again how is he known in the public what's his major role he was on my so-called life he played like the bad boy on the show that she like fell in love with and i think people are my age um probably had a similar experience then he goes on to play some characters i think he was in oh my gosh i'm not gonna remember the names of them he was in some really really iconic movies that have to do with time travel and also one that has i think the talus buyers club had to do with the azt aids narrative correct oh Um, yeah yeah oh absolutely and that's that's very relevant here yeah yep yeah, and so and but the other thing that he's known for is around around two thousand three, two thousand four, I think he comes on the scene with his band, Thirty Seconds to Mars. And I've never really thought much about how that symbolism overlays with all of this until now, but that's a very interesting name, I think. Um and his band is all about um, like emotion. It's emotional music or it's emo. So it has like emotional undertones. At some point I'm going to like truly like write a book or like a huge book just about what the emo music scene was and what it represented, how it co-opted an entire like group of people and how it sort of capitalized on their emotional energy. But um, that's for another day. But so he was a real big figure in that scene, but he's played some very interesting Characters as well as um, being notable for resembling, you know, Jesus Christ himself. And also for, um, there was a a trope going on on Instagram a few years ago between him and Courtney Cox where like he, you know, used the filter to, you know, look like a woman and he looked like Courtney Cox and Courtney Cox would use it to look like a man and it looked like him. So he's really kind of this really a uh, key player, a very visual player for the twang and also the androgyny and also like otherworldly sort of energy. Yeah. So that gives us some narrative on him. And then I just wanted to point out a couple of these appalling ones. Uh, so Cody, I just, I have to mention this because We've got the movie The Power of the Dog, which was incredible. I rave reviews from me, just an amazing film on every level. I loved it. And so folk horror at its best, a lot of great folk horror coming out right now. So he (laughs) played a major, he was a major player in this film. He's up for an award. I don't know if he won it. Again, I don't, I'm sorry. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here for the woo arcs. And so... He shows up, and I can't believe that he got approved. I really can't. And so he's in jeans, a white shirt with what looks like a crown piece of jewelry um, up like on his collar, a brooch of some sort. It looks like a crown. If I'm, I could be wrong. And then he's in what appears to be at least rather red leather-esque, whether they're leather or not, gloves. Yeah. And very blasé 
their shoes black. So again, we've got, we're working with black, red and white, and that looks to me like a crown brooch, but this is what I only reason I'm pointing this out is he's wearing the red gloves. So this is important when we're looking at these narratives that came out with some of the, uh, Hollywood predation. When we're looking at the club of people that feed upon kids and are uh, also showing us these blood rights through certain signaling into the world. So it's it's a little it's a take on the red red shoe club, which uh-huh. of course we have Bill Clinton in and that famous painting and uh, and a whole bunch. So I just I thought he's important to point out. Yeah, and, and he's important to point out because this outfit is just terrible and i think his brooch and the gloves are his is the point of they deconstructed it down to the the you know those details and it's that Uh deconstructed down and the thing is it is in line with his character in the film so since he's hot off the heels of that amazing film and his character in the film is one that is basically gets revenge for his mother in a very Uh dark, gruesome, bloody way. And it's significant in the overall narrative that we're just never going to have time to get into these sub narratives, but it's significant. So for people Uh that take up the work after we leave these crumbs for them, it's an important one to look at. And as I move through, you know, they're all important. Donatella is always freaking me out. She's freaked me out my entire life. Mm, and uh, I'm just scrolling through. So I want to kind of move here to Hillary Clinton mm. because we want to spend, I think, a, a good deal of time now looking at some of this Queen of Hell stuff, the Blood Queen. So Hillary shows up, and this was a big deal. It's been a very, very long time. Um, I don't even know. So here's what it says. Hillary Clinton came in a dress by Altazara. I'm sorry if I'm bastardizing that. Inspired by friendship quilts inscribed with the names she explained of some gutsy women of the 19th and 20th century liberation movement. So everyone knows that Hillary is always trying to push forward the suffrage movement from that this time period we're actually talking about. In this time period, it, we didn't even yes. do enough talking about what went on for people moving from 1860s to 1900, especially women, because we moved from the period of high in America high slavery to moving into the immense so the end of slavery really 1860s signifies the the civil war and then um so we've got the emancipation and all that and civil war and the freedom into that you know the the crop sharing and all this stuff that brought in a new era that freed enslaved peoples not just black up into the women's suffrage movement that takes mm-hmm. us to the turn of the century. Now, Hillary is one of those women out there that's long pushed this, and she's been pushing it for several years, and they were very, very intense with making sure that she's wearing those purples, those whites, and, and some of these reds. So mm-hmm. those the names, I don't have the intel on the names on the dress, 
but I'm, you know, I'm sure Harriet Tubman's in there, and I, I'm sure there's a lot of really amazing names. Rosa Parks, probably. I don't know, even though Rose is a hundred years later, but if she's pulling the same narrative that she's always pulling, that kind of name is going to be in there. So what's significant to me digging deeper into all this is she is and her silhouette's perfectly appropriate. All that's appropriate. Uh But here we have the blood priestess herself. This is Elizabeth Bathory. And you named it, Amy, when you sent me it, and I didn't even realize she was there. This is... This is the queen of the queens. And so Cardi B is serving it and Cardi B is giving it. And just like everything else that's going on with this event, there's twinning. So there's a twinning here with her and Cardi B. Black and white. Get that. Make sure you understand that. And so she is very simply dressed, but the silhouette's appropriate. And we just need to understand that this bodice with her shoulders sloping down and the pale white skin and the uh, the way the gown is formed, we've got really she's just bathing in blood. And so this was intense. And just this alone had me reeling. But when Amy D and I got a lead to follow before we started to show this, this imagery, which sadly we aren't showing on video right now, but when we started to get into this, which was our date to talk about this. And so this is where we're going to move into something that we cannot confirm, but it is out there and it is tied into this. It came through social media and uh, on Twitter and then got banned, but it's out there again. Uh, Rob Sheridan had posted it. And, and so Rob Sheridan's right now got on Twitter zero followers, zero friends because he was wiped from Twitter and I just still happen to have the screen up. So I don't think you'll find him on Twitter right now. This thing got posted a few times and kept getting wiped. But there's also the Instagram page. And so as far as I know, that's still up. I haven't refreshed. And he's over on Instagram and on this, he's got this going on. So he says, wow, the Met Gala 2022 spiced up this year's looks by opening up a portal to hell. And it's got a Billie Eilish song. And we didn't talk about Billie. We don't need to. We understand who she is in this game. And her dress was on point. And she is as uh, one of the people that, did a TikTok, Amy, that you sent me, brought yes. up the arsenic green. She's wearing the arsenic green color, which is very poisonous and fashionable. So the, she, you know, she's the poison girl, and it's the green that she always wears in her hair. And we've talked about that color before. So mm-hmm. it's playing the song "All the Good Girls Go to Hell." When we look at it, and well, what we have though is a shocking set of imagery so what we've got is what looks to be some sort of scene going on and when amy and i will get into the nuts and bolts of that but when amy and i were trying to drill down on that there was allegedly some sort of kiss to 
the jazz era, which is out of this era, by the way, by 20 years, and Bob Fosse and all this. So again, we don't know how this is connected. Rob Sheridan is making this connection. And it's just interesting that this has now become connected in the zeitgeist out there. So we have to address it. In everything that it's giving us is connected to the imagery we already saw. So everyone's in the scene that goes on. I can't find video of. It's being obscured. But there was some sort of ceremony or something. Everyone's in red and black. There's a fire landscape. It's very hellish. We have several demons. So one, two, three, four, five, six. So we have seven, seven demons, and they're... They're they're grotesque and beautiful at the same time. I mean, they're really grotesque. They're really grotesque, but they're done well. The designer who did them, and I don't have the information in front of me right now, did them to perfection. They're encrusted with uh, jewels and stuff, but they are creepy, ghouly. They're everything you would picture in these demons. So one of them, the first one I looked at, is Flesh of a Thousand Sinners, and... Uh, it's the demon, the destroyer, and and wearer of the tortured screams of the irredeemable souls. And I, I'm not personally going to say the name of these demons, but we'll have it in the show notes. The next one, okay, wait. So the first one's flesh of a thousand sinners, and that one is the destroyer. The next one is wherein the tortured screams of irredeemable souls and it is i'm not going to say its name but devourer of worlds the next one is wearing the blood of the un the blood of the unbelieves or the unbelievers or something and that's the mother the mother of serpents and then the next one is wearing the poison tears of the unrepented and it is a fourth pulverizer of the ocean of pain. The next one is wearing the bowel of the sacrificed. And this one is cave of irreverent beasts. The next one's wearing the entrail of the damned, entrails of the damned. And it's the prince of carnage. And the last one is wearing the rotted bile of the unholy, and it is the eighth lord of the chamber of nightmares. It's a black portal. The whole landscape's red around it, and these things are moving through it and dancing. There are lots of uh, what looks like a formal dance scene. We can't, we're only going on some little snapshots we're seeing. So, we don't know why this is tied in, but it's just synchronistic that it came to us tied into this with this person saying this was part of that opening ceremony. What we're seeing here is a very crazy landscape that is, it's all like, it's got bloodbath imagery left and right, fires of hell left and right. We can look at the shining stuff. We can look at um, the CERN ceremonies. There is a lot going on. CERN just opened again. And uh, also we've got the fiery 
uh, solar flares and all this, the sun is all of a sudden acting up and shooting a ton of plasma or whatever you want to call that fiery landscape uh, sun solar stuff out into the cosmos around it, whatever that is, out into the blackness of space, whatever that is. And some of those flares are coming this direction. And so what we have are these princes and demons and lords of hell. And the hand, the landscape is gruesome. And so where, where are we going with this? Well, we have... Hillary Clinton, who hasn't been to one of these in a long time, with all her history through her love of pizza, wink, wink, and everything that she and her husband and the Clinton Foundation is tied into with uh, the terrible, torturous stuff in Haiti. So let's not forget that Haiti is also synonymous with a lot of people's idea of the underworld in literature and Haiti are hand in hand with zombies. These demons, a lot of them look like zombies. This to me suggests, as we saw the black horse of the apocalypse in the last event, which is the third phase of this bigger narrative we're on happening before us, we are looking at a grand ritual that is ongoing as we move into the next eclipse on the 15th here soon we're in the middle of two very important eclipses and then we move deeper into the summer over here in the northern hemisphere and we're already seeing major droughts lots of fire talk already and then some of the photos I've seen of Hillary that are just absolutely astonishing are some of the people that when you pose for these photos, they have people, you know, fluff up your dress and all that. So there's really one that's made the rounds. She's being staged by an African-American or a black man with a mask on and he's down at her feet getting her dressed down and she's got a big smile. The symbology is absolutely rich and this is something I wanted to make sure I've, I've been talking about this Amy a little bit here and there, but at these last three events we've covered, it needs to be really driven home now that the working class, the slave class in this caste system that is now set up that we see who the big players are. We see who's who, and they're starting to show us more and more each time that those that are part of this lower caste system that are the worker bees are of course masked. And this cannot go without notice. Now mask mandates have been pulled back all over. You do not have to wear a mask. This is continuing on for the optics of it. And we need to make sure we're paying attention to the optics at events like this because this is showing us how this open rule is going to look. Now, Hillary Clinton has set herself up as the queen of hell. And all of her minions are there around her. And all I see through this Met Gala experience is fallen angels of some sort, or at least angelic figures, of course, we think about those without gender. 
And we've got the Queen of Hell imagery, and we've got the White Lodge, the Black Lodge, and the Red Lodge represented here. And then we've got the Club of Rome stuff with the gentlemen in hats, and we've got the Monopoly board idea playing out throughout the whole thing. If you're looking at it with a Monopoly overlay to look at this event as a big game of Monopoly. And we didn't touch in on all the gentlemen that were appropriately dressed. And then before I hand this bit over to you, we're going to end on Elon Musk and his mother. You know, the you've said so much, and I think there's not much really to add on to that other than the thing that keeps striking me um, over and over again is that you know, we know what the red carpet represents, like the carpet itself and how Hillary is like the same red tone as like almost the exact same red tone, not to the point of clashing, but just just close enough of the red carpet, which I find really interesting. Um, the other thing that I find interesting rolling it back to like the women's movement is the um, not to not not to add to the louche fest that is the Roe versus Wade, you know, argument, but that was when the leak was revealed was basically during the Met Gala, you know, festivities. So I found it very interesting that the theme brought us back there, but especially, um, you know, Hillary, like you were saying, it's one of her the things that she prides herself on is her, you know, feminism or whatever. And so I think that um, when we talk about just like time mixing and I know we've been talking about time a lot and it just kind of, to me, it seems like a big time soup um, that we are dealing with these problems. Now let's not even say problems, these issues of the past. Right. And we're dealing with them again And we also have people dressing from the past, but we also have people deconstructing and dressing from now in reference to the past. Like it's very quantum. It's all happening right now. And that is my overall take is that we are like living in the stew of all time right now. (laughs) Yeah. And that's where CERN comes in and revisiting these other eras and having all this deconstruction going on. This is all important. And this is why kind of paying attention to these main players is important because this is the stage that everyone's projecting upon. This is the movie that we're all watching. Whether you're actually aware of these people or watching it or not, enough people are that it is actually playing on the theater out in front of you. So that's what I'm always trying to get at. It doesn't matter if you're a person who doesn't give any mind to this. You all know I get these names wrong. I don't know how some of these people I'm learning Mm -hmm. as I go, and I will become adept at it. But right now I'm just learning because they affect the reality around us in a very deep way and on the main stage that's projected outward. And so we have to pay attention if you're into trying to figure out what in the hell is going on around us. So I think it's very important that we end on Elon Musk and his mother, May Musk. And you're going to fill us in on Elon and May. I want to just point it out here. Elon has been set up as one of those characters, if we're looking at a movie or graphic novels, you know, he's the the billionaire out there. He's like a Tony Stark, you know, he's like a, a Bruce Wayne. He's a dark billionaire. There's a dark side to his story. There's a lot of controversy around his whole narrative. 
and it starts with his mother, Mamas. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on with her. And that's another hole to go down, but it's very significant. He brought his mom this year. And if we look at, you know, Grimes was in there last year, who is mm-hmm. the mother of his child. And it's, there's gossip that they're pregnant again, but we all know they broke up. And she, in and of herself, is a character study worth digging into and and amy and i are going to be digging into this stuff more often when we get our shit more together but right now we're just trying to do girl we're just trying to do broad strokes to let everyone have a taste of what us prima donnas are up to so he comes in absolutely dashing perfectly poised as that role the rich billionaire bachelor and we see it with all the names i already gave you and he brings his mother and the mother is a very interesting dark character and she is draped in burgundy velvet baby with now we see the pearls on the neck and Mm -hmm. the pearls are in flapper fashion now i don't see her silhouette has anything to do with the period but she's may musk and she's the mother of this rich billionaire she is serving the queen these two are interesting because she is part of the hidden hand that people don't see even though she's out there but you could put an owl mask on her and she could be on the private council in gotham and easily could be part of the shadow hand that is manipulating things including her son which i don't believe is human anymore and absolutely the hand in the puppet and there are several images of him being acting a damn fool out there with her and there's some that look like she literally is holding him from behind like she is the controlling factor there so do not let may musk fall off of your radar this woman is a key player i guarantee you and he is often uh overlooked by a lot of people in the woo because they think he's just a nobody that is unintelligent and a puppet. And he is those things, but he is a puppet for a very powerful hand. So he's not just your regular puppet like a lot of these stars and starlets are. This is a different level of the game. This man is holding control of a lot of the narrative around the collective right now. He is holding control of the space narrative. The constitutional first amendment narrative. Right. Well, he's, he's definitely holding that with the Twitter stuff. He's holding the narrative of transhumanism, big time bringing us in robots. He's commandeered the name Tesla from the great Nikola Tesla, who was absolutely, you know, they tried to wipe him from the historical narrative. In the same time, part of Elon Musk's, I think, script is like Nikola Tesla, who wanted to bring or had the potential to bring free energy to the people and he he did this this stuff was taken from him you know he was obscured and occulted and all that well so we see elon Musk picking up that mantle and trying to present that to the world 
but who's behind him? And it's obvious if you listen to the man talk in any interview, he does not seem to have a depth of intelligence. He seems really to be an NPC, but he's a very important one. And who's behind him? Well, it's his mother. So, Amy D., what do you have on these two? What do you have to say about Elon and his mama? Well, so much of what I have to say about Elon comes with Grimes because Elon Musk seemed up until yesterday to me like a billionaire who uh, up until yesterday, this um, ensemble that he appears in at the Met Gala sort of struck me as interesting because it really, for the first time, you know, Elon sort of, the tech, the tech billionaires, they have a funny way of going about showing who they are, which is they don't wear the really fancy stuff. They might have the most expensive hoodie or the most expensive pair of jeans, but like they wouldn't look like it. And they, it would just, they don't, they fit in, you know, they don't try to stand out with their, their clothes, but to see him dress like this, I was like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what he is. Which is just like a rich billionaire, you know, like, and that's where he fits. He fits in, in this club and he's obviously fit in this club the whole time, but in the open rule style, I really did see him come out into full effect. But what I came across yesterday was a Grimes video um, from I think 2017. And it's basically, you know, in theory, she's, you know, maybe not with Elon Musk at this time, but she's, you know, they're, they're, they're all into the AI and all into like the computer stuff. And it, it's pretty clear that, um, Grimes has made herself like an aeon for the AI. The lyrics were something to the effects of like, we pledge ourselves to the computers that will receive their favor. Almost how, you know, like someone religious, like a religious zealot or like just something like that would speak of like a coming moment of its, of the gods or, you just kind of get the idea that like there's a there's more to what they're doing than just trying to uh, talk about these things and just trying to get technology on the map. There, there's more to it. There's the energy, as you would say. So when I sort of saw her undying loyalty to the AI, I was like, oh, there is like a level of seriousness that I had not taken in about these two and what they're or what he is building and. Fe- I guess sort of how that energy played in with his and why he would have been attracted to her other than like physically, you know, but like her, her stance on that kind of stuff. And basically she's very into like the AI taking over. And if we get in the way, then we're going to get killed. And um, basically we end in communism. This is like the point of one song that she makes. It's a song called something about power. I don't have it written down, but you can check out the gold pill Instagram and see it there. But, um, so yeah, that really contextualized Elon Musk and really kind of, um, between seeing him dressed as an actual, you know, tech baron to, and then then seeing the intensity with which they, you know, have placed the AI on their altar. I started to get a real picture that like these people mean business. And I always knew that, but sometimes stuff just really comes together and hits differently. (laughs) And so this week I started, I've, and also was just kind of psychically feeling into May Musk. Um, I get sort of like, I can't, I think Gloria Vanderbilt is her name. I get those vibes from her, just like really dark and creepy, but like uh, connected and in society. But there's like an air of darkness, you know, like that are just looking at her. You can tell like she's a beautiful, stunning woman, but she has like a real darkness behind her eyes, even though I'm looking at a picture of her smiling, it's like there's something missing. Right. And so that would be my assessment of those two at this current time. As we do this uh, show together, Nish, like these are people I've always paid attention to, but now that we're kind of talking about them in these like interweaving narratives, 
you really start going, I got to watch this person. Like you're starting to get heavier information on one person. So you just really start tracking them and they reveal themselves before you <laughs> over time. And that's what Elon Musk is. And I, I can't wait to keep following them because I feel like you said he's going, he is a big player, but he is, I would, I, I'm interested to see what's going on. I would say five years, but with acceleration occurring right now, I, I maybe two years to see what he has in store with all of his, you know, air quote technology you know, we're going to be on it. And so uh, this is how I'm going to wrap here. So there is an article on Vogue and we'll do our best to make sure that makes it into the show notes. And it's called all that jazz and some serious beauty looks arrived in a Met Gala tribute to America's dance legacy. And it's worth pointing out that Lenny Kravitz was the master of ceremonies there, mm-hmm. he, who emerged onto the stage in the Temple of Dindar clad in a custom-designed yellow snakeskin snake chrome hearts look. So this is where I wanted to make sure that we don't lose sight of the next card or domino in the narrative. So with all the imagery we've given you, Frederick Robertson, he gave us that kind of fallen angel, spiky dragon look. And we had that earlier with Dove Cameron, gave us that dragon kind of bone imagery. And then to tie that all in, there were a couple other people with the platinum white hair. And of course, Kim Kardashian had the platinum white hair. So we could tie that for sure into Marilyn, but we're looking at this narrative that's going to push forward with this platinum white hair. And as Amy had told me prior, that she actually went, she's not wearing a wig. She had her hair bleached down and toned down to that silver white. This is significant. So it's also telling us that she's going to be presenting that somehow, some way into the future, which is where we're going with this on this next step. And there were other people that were presenting with silver hair and some of this kind of dragony imagery. Well, it just so happens to be that House of the Dragon is going to be premiering August 21st. And we already talked about August and September are going to be hot months, everyone, for a lot of crazy stuff to start going down. They're going to start really taking this next phase that we're in, the Black Horse phase, into high gear. And House of the Dragon is, of course, based on George R.R. Martin's Fire and Blood, the series, which is set 2,000 years before the events of Game of Thrones, and it tells the story of House of Targaryen. Now, you know the Targaryens are the dragons, and the, everyone remembers Khaleesi. Everyone remembers that narrative, and I loved her in that, and I love that series. So I, I wanted to make sure that when I saw that we were moving into this new period with bringing the dragon house out of the closet into the public with this new series for game of the thrones which is easily an overlay for all of this kind of stuff that goes on in the world around us down to the secret hand 
and all of the the bloodlines that play in. Now we are going to be looking at the reign of the dragon and the reign of the dragon people, which is, of course, the Targaryens. This absolutely is part of what's going on. And this, if you think about it, Dragons are reptilians. Marilyn Monroe was trying to bring this idea out, and it's been obscured from history. Those that know, know. But it was definitely in the chats. It was in her black book, and it was stuff that people around her talked about. And all of that stuff's been scrubbed, sadly. I hope there's someone out there with archives of that stuff, because I never thought to archive any of it. Right. So this is becoming part of the bigger narrative now. What do we see when we think about the House of Targaryen? Fire, dragons, black, red, Mm -hmm. platinum hair, and all that. And so we are now being seen how the stage is being set to create the next narrative in the collective, in the unveiling of what's happening in the sub or undertow of what is going to be playing out and pulling us all in. This could very well be something major as far as a revealing of what has been obscured, that those things that have been hiding amongst us all along may actually now come into a fuller open reign and open view after these couple years of torture in a real hardcore way where we were locked down and now we're seeing slave class, we're seeing worker class, and we're seeing elite caste class. And so what Amy D and I are doing here is a big deal to me because we are not able with the time constraints to get knee deep into or even tits deep into these narratives. We're throwing out these breadcrumbs for others to pick up and take further. And as we move deeper into what we're doing here at the prima donnas of the gutter and looking at the major plays happening, this is going to be interesting because all these cards are going to eventually create a house. And we want to be the girls that are blowing the house of cards over so that we can see what's what. Who's got the aces? Who's got the jacks? Who's the queens? You know? (laughs) So those are my closing thoughts, Amy D. What are yours? Well, just... This is really an exciting show to do, and it's really exciting to have everyone do it along with us. And I was just going to let everyone know that we have an email called Prima Donnas of the Gutter Podcast at Gmail, and we pretty much are going to follow what we follow. But if you at home are interested in having us follow anything or you saw something, why don't you go ahead and write us in? And I will go ahead and check the email every day, and we'll just kind of see where that goes from there, because this is... And intro- there's lots and lots of moving pieces, and I know lots of people at home have very watchful eyes as well, and I just encourage everyone to keep their eyes open as it's going to get interesting. <laughs> Indeed. This is a group event. We are, we're just out here trying to understand what's going on, and we appreciate every bit of help. We aren't claiming anything, and we are just the prima donnas of the gutter, so thank you for joining us. 